friends, and welcome to my Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Kathy Jo Hart. I am a Christian author and speaker. Our focus is to discuss the hot topics of the day and how it relates to the Bible and the lessons through the love of Christ. Today's episode is the last in our estrangement series. Last week, we talked about the power of forgiveness and how it releases anger, resentments, bitterness that enslaves us in depression and anxiety. Throughout our estrangement series, we spoke about personality behaviors that can negatively impact relationships. One of the most painful of these is narcissistic behaviors that mislead, manipulate, and cheat. What is considered one of the most unforgivable offenses of narcissistic behaviors is the act of betrayal. And this is because it is never done by an enemy. Betrayal comes from someone whom you trust the most. Betrayals are also one of the most difficult offenses to forgive in marriages. This is why divorce caused by betrayal, such as an affair, has deep and lasting effects that can cause trauma for generations to come. It's because the cheating spouse believes they were entitled to the affair because their spouse was mean or just didn't understand their needs. This type of narcissist also has a possessive pattern of jealousy in their personality, meaning they will use gaslighting techniques of pointing the finger at the other spouse as the narcissist and will manipulate other family members and children to turn against the other parent by portraying themselves as the victim. This type of behavior divides families and is one of the reasons traumatic estrangements are at an all-time high, the person who was betrayed feels powerless and will suffer chronic anxiety, humiliation, shame, isolation, impaired sleep, and in some cases, post-traumatic stress. We would like to believe that this type of behavior is new, but it is not. But what is new is the lie being perpetuated by false teachers and influencers that behaviors cannot change. This is an example of using a labeled box, trapping the person inside of the box, taping it shut, and throwing the box away, thereby eliminating the possibility of hope and reconciliation. If you are convinced that people cannot change, the manipulator wins. This lie convinces us that we have no self-control over our emotions. The lie convinces the most vulnerable in our society that the only way to heal the emotional mindsets are through pharmaceutical drugs, puberty blockers, chemical castrations, body mutilations, and human enhancements. And this, my friends, is the greatest Lie of all. There was an article written by Brittany Casco where she referenced the results of a study done in 2021 and is found on the CDC website that 57% of young women, including teens in the United States, are struggling with their mental health. They are struggling with a feeling of being persistently sad. And 30% of these women have considered suicide, 24% planned suicide, and 13% attempted suicide. 
According to the Mayo Clinic, these women feel they do not have a purpose. They are trying to cope with emotional pain, anger, and stress. This is what happens when you remove God, thereby removing hope. It is the promotion of the self at the expense of the self. Where truth is ill-defined as something you can only find within the self, such as my truth ideologies. This is the narcissistic world that is being forced onto our children and grandchildren, convincing them that everyone else is to blame and that everyone else is the narcissist. But as we have learned, those who are focused on the self and believe the self is the savior is the truest definition of narcissism. The devil wants you to believe there is no hope, no forgiveness, no redemption, and no salvation. You want to know why so many people are feeling hopeless? Because reconciliation is not only discouraged, but denied. Because when you eliminate purpose and you eliminate hope, you create fear. And as we discussed in previous episodes, fear is the work of the devil and is the one emotion that those in political power will manufacture and use to manipulate and control those who are riddled by fear. We see similar stories in the Bible, which are still alive today, and we are not as woke as everyone seems to believe as we are repeating the failures of the past. But the Bible also shares stories of hope, of purpose, and of reconciliation. So where have we seen betrayal in the Bible? The introduction of sin was due to the betrayal of the serpent, convincing Eve and Adam to defy God by eating fruit from the tree of knowledge. We also saw the ultimate betrayal by Judas when he led the soldiers to arrest Jesus, which led to Jesus' crucifixion. And this is why the stories in the Bible are so important to read and learn, because betrayals are not new to humanity. But we can see how God's purpose for our lives is not defined by these betrayals, but can be and is a part of God's divine plan. Today, we are going to learn about the betrayals in the life of Joseph and how God used them to fulfill his purpose to save humanity. This is not only a story about betrayals, but the persistence of faith and of reconciliations and how we should apply them to our lives today. To read the story of Joseph in its entirety, pull out your Bible and read Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. Joseph was the eleventh son of Jacob and the first son with the love of his life, Rachel. To say Joseph was loved more than his siblings would be an understatement. Jacob adorned Joseph with a richly ornamented robe, which caused his brothers to be envious and jealous of their youngest brother. It probably didn't help that Joseph was also a bit of a tattletale, as he would provide his father with negative reports about his brothers working in the field. Doesn't that sound typical of a spoiled sibling? But Joseph had a special gift of being able to interpret dreams. It was his dreams about his brothers bowing down to him that caused his brothers to really resent him. The brothers despised Joseph. But when Joseph had another dream about his parents bowing down to him, 
the brothers were pushed to a point of plotting against him. They originally planned on killing him, but decided against it when they saw a band of Ishmaelites en route to Egypt. So instead came the first betrayal. The brothers stripped Joseph of his robe and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, which is an equivalent of $200 today. Once sold, the brother staged his fake death by dipping Joseph's robe in the blood of a slaughtered goat and presented it as evidence to Jacob of his son's death. His parents were distraught. Once Joseph arrived in Egypt, he was sold to the captain of Pharaoh's guard named Potiphar. While Joseph worked for his master, Potiphar saw the Lord gave Joseph success in everything he did. Potiphar was so impressed with Joseph, he put him in charge of his household. Now, Joseph was a very fine-looking young man. The Bible said he was well-built and handsome. And unfortunately, Mrs. Potiphar agreed. And then came the second betrayal. After several attempts trying to seduce Joseph, Mrs. Potiphar grabbed his coat and tore it away from him. She then used it to accuse him of an attempted rape. Her husband had no other choice than to arrest Joseph and send him to prison. It was while he was in prison, God continued to grant him favor. The wardens put Joseph in charge of the prisoners. It was during this time in prison when he interpreted dreams for two of Pharaoh's officials, the cupbearer and the baker. When both interpretations came true, the cupbearer returned to the king's service where he promised Joseph he would tell the Pharaoh about his gift of interpretations of dreams. And then came the third betrayal. Two years passed, and Joseph was still in prison when the Pharaoh had a troubling dream. The cupbearer then remembered Joseph's gift. And Joseph was then immediately summoned and was able to interpret the dream. His dream was a warning. Seven years of abundance followed by seven years of severe famine throughout Egypt. Because of Joseph's gift, the Pharaoh placed him as his second in command. Joseph received his new name, Zaphonath Paneah. As his dream predicted, Egypt experienced seven years of abundance where Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain. The Bible described the quantity of grains as beyond measure, followed by seven years of severe famine. It was during the famine, Joseph's brothers went to Egypt to ask the governor of the land, who was Joseph, for grain. And as Joseph's dream predicted, his brothers arrived in Egypt and bowed down to him. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but they did not recognize him. It had been about 20 years since Joseph had been sold into slavery. When Joseph saw his brothers, he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. His brother spoke about their father and of their 12 brothers, one of whom was dead. And this is when Joseph learned he had a younger brother, Benjamin, he had not met. This is when Joseph came up with a plan to meet his brother and to see his parents again. There was a lot of back and forth bringing food and supplies to his family before Joseph finally made himself known. 
Now imagine the fear his brothers felt when they realized Joseph was the governor of the land. They were terrified because they knew of their betrayals against him. But Joseph was not angry or bitter, nor did he hold resentment in his heart. Joseph forgave them because he knew it was not his brothers who sent him to Egypt. And Joseph's faith in God provided him with wisdom, knowing that this was a part of God's plan. It was God's plan that Joseph would rule over all of Egypt, saving the lives of hundreds of thousands of people during one of the most severe famines in its history. His brothers, on the other hand, lived their lives in fear of retribution. They carried with them the guilt of selling their brother into slavery and lying about his death. They could not forgive themselves, even though Joseph forgave them. And Joseph said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. What were the lessons? I mean, his brothers sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife had him thrown into prison, and the cupbearer forgot about him. Joseph suffered emotional distress. He had tears, he was homesick, and under a lot of distress. But Joseph also knew he had God's favor in his life. It was Joseph's unshaken trust in God that helped him cope with the betrayals. Part of the reconciliation with his parents and his brothers was his request to have the Pharaoh provide his entire family with the best of all Egypt had to offer. Even though Joseph proved he held no anger towards his brothers, they had a difficult time with their own emotional healing. They did not forgive themselves. How many missed opportunities have there been in our own lives through unforgiveness? God wants to provide his favor over our lives, but the enemy is always nearby tempting us with fear, anger, bitterness, and grudges. How many of God's assignments for our lives were lost or undiscovered because of our own inability to let things go? Part of the inner battle we face in our mindset is surrendering to God. Why is it so difficult to heal? Could it be our own inability to acknowledge our role in hurting someone else? Maybe it is the mindset of self-pity. The ego cannot allow the self to admit to being wrong. Maybe we compensate by downplaying the event. Human nature has this amazing ability to justify anything, even if it causes estrangements. Your wound may not be your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Are you being held back by unforgiveness? The questions you must ask yourself are these. Do you desire reconciliation? Do you want to be healed? If your answers are yes, then are you willing to forgive those who have sinned against you in order to have peace and joy in your life? Are you willing to let go of your own will and the self that imprisons you in isolation? Is being stubborn more important to you than you submitting your will to Christ Jesus? In John chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus encounters a paralyzed man who had spent years trying to capture the right moment to go into a pool with healing powers. 
As time went by, the paralyzed man gave up hope, even though he was inches away from the pool. When Jesus came upon this man, he told him to get up. Jesus asked the man if he wanted to get well. The man made many excuses, but at the end of his self-pity, Jesus needed him to get up spiritually before he could get up physically. And isn't that what Jesus wants us all to do? As we have discussed before, forgiveness is a decision. It is not an emotion. So the idea of waiting to feel better never comes. But once you commit to the Lord and seek forgiveness for your own sins, God will give you something better in return. He will forgive you of your sins as well as the sins that fell against you. He will heal your brokenness and restore your heart and soul. This is what we need in our society today. We need to teach our children about God, about his purpose for our lives, and about the hope he gives to all of us when we call his name. The devil will do everything he can to separate us from God. He will try to stop you from reaching out to God and will try to subvert your ability to call his name. But asking God for his help is simple. All you have to do is ask God to come into your life. If you are ready to let go of your anger, depression, bitterness, anxiety, and fear, if you are ready to ask God for forgiveness, forgiveness of family members that may have hurt you, and forgiveness for yourself, then repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive those who have sinned against me. Help me to release the heavy burdens that I have been carrying for too long. I pray for my family and I ask your help in mending our broken hearts so we can be a family again. I ask for you to come in my life and to heal my brokenness. I ask for your grace, for your love, and for your mercy. I ask that you come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know God will hear you as he has been waiting for you. Make sure you find a Bible-based church and begin reading one chapter a day in your Bible. And there are several different versions of the Holy Bible. I personally use the New International Version. It's called NIV, and it is easier to read and to comprehend. I encourage you to reach out to me and let me know that you made this very important step in your life. I would love to add your name to my daily prayer list. And join us next week for a new hot topic affecting our world today. In the meantime, I pray for God's favor over you and your family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.